Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. There are two basic questions that are asked in our text for today, Psalm 24. The first one says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Now that's not asking who's going to come to worship in Jerusalem next week. That's not what it's asking. It's not asking about who's going to attend. It's saying who is worthy to come and to worship. Now, If you think about it just for a moment, what we do at the very beginning of our worship service is the invocation. Okay? And we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we're calling upon the God in whose name we were baptized for a number of us, many, many, many years ago. And that's why we are worthy to come to worship. Made right. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And the next question is, and who is the Lord of glory? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Who shall ascend? It goes on to say, those with clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. All right. So those are the ones who can attend. So um, how many of us, just by nature, how many of us are those people? Clean hands, pure heart. And if you raise your hand real quick, let me talk to your spouse just to make sure. <laughs> Clean hands, pure heart. Okay. We're getting a sign over on this side that that would be none of us. Is that right? Is that the right sign you were giving me? Yep, zero. Okay. Clean hands and pure heart. That doesn't describe many of us. On our own. Okay? Now, we need to know what we need to know about people. So, okay, not clean hands, pure hearts. So, so um, just for fun, don't worry. You don't have to do anything. Just, 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 actually, you could do one thing. Could you stand? Sure. And just turn so people can see. So, tell me about Nick. What do you all know about Nick? He helps. He helps. He's an usher. He's polite. Okay, go ahead. He's quiet and shy. All those are true. Okay? Would you please stand up? You've never seen him this red. You've never seen him this red. What? What? Not quiet, not shy. Not quiet, not shy. Exactly. What else do you know about this guy? He's a Yankees fan. He's a Yankees fan. What else do you know about this guy? Helpful. He's an elder. He's a good neighbor. What else? Proud father. What else? He's respectful. Talented, respectful. Wow. Has a couple of accidents driving the car, but <laughs> I know that. I know that also. I witnessed one. He was driving past me, and he went in the ditch. So, I'm like, okay. all right. Thank you. Thank you. So we know certain things about people, and we also know that they don't have these clean hands, pure hearts on their own, right? Okay. What I want to do now is take you back to Isaiah chapter 7, speaking about King Ahaz. And the Lord says, test me and see. And what Ahaz says is, I won't put the Lord to the test. Test me and see. I won't put the Lord to the test. It's interesting that he wouldn't do that because the Lord says, do this. I want you to do this. I want you to test me so I can show to you what's really true so that you might experientially know that I am faithful and I am for you. No, I won't. Now, why would he say no to that? Doesn't it sound kind of pious and righteous and right to say, I'm not going to test the Lord? Doesn't that sound kind of righteous? I won't test the Lord. What a horrible thing to do. Okay? 
Because I want to be like those who have come before me, the kings before me. Because what they would do is they would just take the gold and the silver and the temple and the different things and they would give them to another land where the king was powerful and that king would come in and save the people. So I'm going to, by my own wisdom, by my own insight, do what needs to be done. And King Ahaz says, sounds good to me. That's what I'll do. Life didn't go well for King Ahaz. The Assyrians that he was trusting and eventually took over the land of, of Israel, and then the Babylonians came in and took over the land of Judah. We keep trusting these wrong things. I want you to believe, God says, what I say. I want you to follow what I say. I want you to believe that what I'm telling you is the truth and then let that be the guiding principle in your life. Let my truth, let the truth of what I tell you, God says, be what leads you in life. But of course, he already had an alternate plan and he didn't want God to get in the way. We never do that, do we? We never have our alternate plans because I don't know if I can really trust what God has to say. Therefore, I'll just do it my way. Does that resonate with anybody here? So if that's really true, okay, I just want you to hear something. So God told that to Ahaz. Now, now we can always look back and say, boy, those was disciples were really stupid. Boy, King Ahaz, he just didn't know because, you know, after Ahaz comes a king named Hezekiah. You know anything about King Hezekiah? He's the one who didn't trust all those other ones, okay? Instead, he says, I'm going to trust in God when the Assyrians came. And when the Assyrians came, okay, he prayed, he trusted God, and God slew 185,000 of them in one night. And the king he was all worried about went home and his own sons, the king's own sons, killed him. Gosh, <laughs> if I could just trust Jesus. He does these amazing things. Do you know what Jesus wants you to know about you? He tells us in Psalm 24. What God says is true about you, and it's kind of like mission impossible. I do that with some weddings once in a while. This is your mission if you choose to accept it. Okay? That God says about you that you are a person of clean hands and a pure heart. That you're a person who um, lives in the righteousness that God has for you. And that you are a person who is uh, seeking the Lord. Okay, so let's just talk about those things for a moment. Clean hands and pure heart. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to forgive your sins. How many of those sins did he die for? All of them. All of them. Past sins, right? No, present sins. Present sins. And future sins. All of your sins were paid for by Jesus. So if all of your sins and wrongdoings were paid for... And then you're made righteous because not only do you have that clean slate, but then also according to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All of the righteous actions of Jesus were attributed to your account. Aren't you sounding more clean-handed and pure heart as I go? That's who you are. 
Our struggle is we just don't believe what God says. That's why I give myself an excuse to keep doing what I keep doing. Because I won't believe what God's word says. I kind of like King Ahaz. No, 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 that's not me. That feels like I'm boasting. Yes, in Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we were boasting in Jesus? When I started, you were all right. How many of you have clean hands and a pure heart on your own? How many of you have clean hands and a pure heart in Jesus? All of us. Let's just show our hands. Everybody who's awake, please raise your hand. You can keep yours down. I know you sleep a lot. Okay? All right. So we're all those with clean hands and a pure heart. We are all those declared righteous, right according to God's standard. That's who we are in Jesus. And we are those who seek God. We're the generation of those who seek after him. And so when I choose to not do those other things, what I'm choosing to do is say, I don't believe who I really am in Jesus. Do I have then the opportunity as God's child to come here together with other of God's children to corporately worship God in a way that builds us up and honors Jesus? And since we all believe this and struggle to believe it, we all come here today kind of in different areas in our life, different levels of our lives where we trust it, but we kind of struggle with it. We want to ascend. What's on that hill of the Lord? The temple. We come to the temple to worship God, and yet some of us believe it more, some of us less, all that kind of stuff. We're different in the community. And if we expect one another to look a certain way, that's foolish on our part because we all struggle to believe that truth certain times in certain ways because we all have this brokenness within, Right? And so because each of us come broken, yet declared righteous, we can be patient with one another and love each other as we join hands to ascend the hill of the Lord made possible for us by the blood of Jesus. Did I go too fast? There's three little phrases I've shared with you before. I want to share with you them again. Know what, so what, now what? Okay? Know what, so what, now what? So I know, what do I know? I know that my creator God has also redeemed me, right? I know that. So now what difference does it make? Okay? So here's the question. Peter, all the other disciples, they're doing their thing. They're walking with Jesus. But then Jesus, they, they get into some hairy conditions and they kind of lose sight of Jesus and they start to fall. They fail a lot. Okay? But you know, one thing changes them from being these scared disciples in the upper room after the resurrection to being those who just go gangbusters and they lose their lives for Jesus as they proclaim the faith. What's that difference? He visited them in the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon them. Holy Spirit did his work. According to John 16, verse 8, it tells us, these things. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. 
So the Spirit's work is to guide us, to remind us of the things that Jesus said, to convict us, to remind us of our righteousness in Christ, and to prepare us for the judgment to come. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verse 13 says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? John Kleinig is a Lutheran pastor in Australia. He writes and brings up some stuff that Luther talks about, and one of the things is this. The life of faith is a cycle that begins with prayer for the gift of the Holy Spirit, concentrates on the reception of the Holy Spirit through meditation on God's Word, and results in spiritual attack. This, in turn, leads a person back to further prayer and intensified meditation. Luther, therefore, does not envisage the spiritual life as a process of self-development, but as a process of reception from the triune God. This process of reception turns proud, self-sufficient individuals into humble beggars before God. So what the, the goal is, is prayer, meditation, and testing. So we pray. How many of you pray, Dear God, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. And every hand shoots up. Okay, let me try it again. How many of you pray for the Holy Spirit? Fill me today with your spirit. Excellent. Now let's do a wish list. How many of us would like to do that tomorrow? There's still some with your hands down. That's kind of crazy. My hope is that you would pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you could understand God's word. And then when the testing comes, you ever have times of testing? the struggles, the drawing, the difficulties in life, in those times that you would recognize you're a beggar just needing to receive from God his strength, his equipping, his good gifts. He's already made you the clean-handed, pure-hearted person that you are. Now I need his presence to give me what I need to deal with life. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm losing you. Is that working? So I need to draw on the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because... I also need to draw on the Holy Spirit to believe what he says is true about me. Do you ever have... An, uh, I saw this at uh, a certain video I was watching. I thought, this is so excellent. How many of you, okay, you believe, Scripture says, I will provide for all of your needs. I will meet all of your needs. How many of you believe that? Okay? And then something devastating happens. Okay? You lose a job. You do this. Something else happens. And you're like... Oh, no, I'm freaking out now. God's not going to meet all my needs. How many of you go through that? So we intellectually know that God will do this, but experientially, we don't. What brings us from the, not, from the knowing intellectually to the knowing experientially would be what? The Holy Spirit. Dear God, help me to actually believe, experientially believe that what you say is true really is. Convince me of that truth because can you work your way into actually experientially believing it on your own? No, they were scared disciples in the upper room. They had even seen the risen Jesus. Okay? But when the Spirit came, everything changed. Dear God, please fill me with your Spirit. Dear God, come and meet me here at the table today. Fill me with your, give me your forgiveness and fill me with your spirit that I might go out to live this new life, not in my strength, but in yours.
who is this king of glory who comes? He's the creator God. He's also the one, it's amazing if you think about it just for a minute with me. This one who comes came into the temple. And this is a little bit difficult maybe. The God who comes, it says in John chapter 1 verse 14, it says in John 1 that he, Jesus, is the one who's involved in creation. So Jesus is the creator of God. He is the king of glory. He's also the one who came to enter into the tabernacle in order to cleanse it. Remember how he kicked all the money changers out? He cleansed the temple. He came to be amongst his people. But Jesus then, it says in John 1.14, he dwelt among us. That word there really means he tabernacled among us. You know what a temple is? A temple is a place where you go to meet with God. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to be the place where you meet with God. Jesus came to replace the temple. Amazing, huh? So therefore, as Jesus now resides within us as the body of Christ in this place, we take the place where God meets men with us where we go so that others can experience it with us. Who is the king of glory? This great God, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate as he came for us, whose presence we celebrate week by week, hopefully day by day, and his future coming we long for with all that's within us. Do you ever go through life saying, you know, it'd be great if Jesus came today? Wow, a lot of reticence to that. I've got to open my gifts first. Then he can come after I open my gifts. (laughs) I've got a lot more stuff I want to do first. Then he can come later. But I wonder if my eyes are really focused on Jesus and I'm really dwelling on who he is and believing what he says is true by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by my trying harder. I wonder if we just recognize that life with Jesus is so much better than anything we experience now. There's a, there's a song years ago, I Can Only Imagine. Love it if you played that this afternoon. That's what we long for. Amen? Amen. Amen.